you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you Psalm 73, the Psalm of Asaph. God's word says this, uh, truly God is good to Israel, uh, to those who are pure in heart. Uh, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they had no pangs until death, and their bodies uh, were are fat and sleek. Uh, they are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, and violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out uh, through fatness their hearts overflow with follies they scoff and speak with malice loftily they threaten oppression they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth therefore his people uh, turn back to them and find no fault in them and they say how can God know is there uh, is there knowledge in the most high Behold, uh, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have uh, been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of of your children. But then I thought how to understand this, and it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places, and you make them fall in ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish, I was ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward... Uh, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, uh, those who are far from you shall perish. You shall put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. God, I ask your blessing on your word, and I ask that in your perfect will and your spirit's work, that it would be the perfect message for us here this morning. Comfort our hearts, redirect our thoughts. Help us to see with your eyes this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Really, the last 
part, the last part, the last half of the chapter is where I want to get to, but I think it's important to talk about the first part so we can understand the, the power of the second part, okay? You with me? So, uh, it's a sum of ASAP. Uh, he, was the, he was Zach Lacombe to Bear Valley Church, okay? Uh, he was the one uh, leading God's people in music. And if you can picture this, uh, some of these crazy words that he wrote down coming out of his mouth while leading God's people in worship. Zach says some crazy things, but most of those aren't on stage. Um, okay? In the, in the beginning of this uh, chapter, the first part you have the, I, I call it the intro conclusion, okay? Those first three verses. And... I've been using this communication a bit this week talking about the Kirby's uh, because it's kind of a, um, a progressive story that's gone over a week or so uh, that they have found out about this. But um, it, it sounds pretty bad initially, like, but there is hope. And so I've had to start out conversations by saying, I need to tell you about little Leah's um, disease but there's some, there's, it's hopeful, it's hopeful, uh, because it sounds very bad in the beginning, and this is true of this psalm as well. As you look at this, if you didn't have these first three verses, uh, you would wonder, is it, should this be in the scripture? You know, is this, you know, what, what is the goodness, how is this helpful to me? Uh, but he starts off with the intro conclusion, and his conclusion is this, Truly God is good to Israel. Israel being the identification of God's people in the Old Testament. And uh, not that we can change the scripture, but we can echo that same line as he was talking about God's people. We can say for ourselves, truly God is good for me or to me. Truly, God is good, is good, and he will end up with this same conclusion. Uh, But he wants to give it to us up front. And he says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, those who are are seeking him and and seeking to honor him with the thoughts of their heart, which come out in actions. But then he says, this is kind of where this went. Verse two. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? Verse 3. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Prosperity of the wicked. And he... He's placing himself, and I, I would say it this way, he's looking out the window to what the world is doing. He's looking at those who don't acknowledge God. He's he's peering at them. He's watching them. And in his heart, what's happening, uh, he says, I was envious of them. I was envious of them. I watched what uh, I was trying to keep up with the Kardashians. I was trying to uh, follow the sports figures. I was watching people uh, that have monstrous houses and wonderful cars and I was envious of them I I saw what they had I saw what they did and I realized that they're wicked but I was envious of what they had and did I saw their prosperity this is the conclusion though his conclusion remember is God is good 
God is good to his people for those who are pure in heart. And this is the way it looked. If you look down at verse 4, I would say it this way. The title for this section, uh, the, the way they looked, they, out there, the other people, okay? It's not me, it's they, uh, it's those people I'm not a part of. It's those people I don't like the way uh, they, they look at life. It's those people who we have different worldviews. It's these people that don't listen to the scripture. It, it's these people who don't honor and worship God. It's those people out there. But this is the way they look to me as I looked at their lives. They look great. They look great. Verse 4, it says that, uh, they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are, how does it say that? How does it translate in your version? In my version, it says fat and sleek. We don't usually put those two words together. I'd appreciate it if you would refer to your pastor. He's fat, but he's sleek too, you know. Uh, the idea here is this, in ancient cultures, and uh, if we were in third world countries, there would be a sense of health. Uh, that everyone looked sickly, everyone looked weak. And, uh, but as he looked upon those out in the world, he said fat and sleek were the two words that he uses. And the idea of that is being healthy and vibrant and not looking like they're going to be blown over by the wind. He looked upon those who didn't honor God and he says they, they don't have the, the precursors to death that most of us have. And they look fat and sleek. They look healthy and able to be beautiful in who they are. Verse 5, he says, uh, uh, they are not in trouble as others. So they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. It seems like they're hopscotching over the problems of life. Um, by the way, m- most people don't post on Facebook uh, when they don't look so good, right? Uh, they don't say... You know, I've been been in bed a week and a half, and I haven't taken a shower, and you know, I, I I haven't been able to keep food down. And let me take a selfie of this one and put it on the internet, right? There's a, um, you know, they they dress it up, right? Uh, they didn't have Photoshop back in these days, but they would have loved it, right? Would have loved it. And so when you look at the pictures, sometimes it doesn't look right, and. And the, he was looking out there and he says, look, they, they don't have any trouble. They're not stricken. It seems like they're skipping it, even in their wickedness. In, in verse 6, he says, therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers their garment. They, they're marking themselves with wickedness, with pride, with things that are, are wrong. Verse 7, their eyes swell at, through fatness and their hearts overflow with their follies. Their life is in excess of wickedness and things that are not honoring to the Lord. Verse 8, they they scoff and they speak with malice. Lawfully, uh, they threaten oppression. He now moves and he's heading towards this idea that they shake an angry fist at God and laugh in God's face. Verse 9, they set their mouths against heaven. Their tongue struts through the earth. Now, 
he's thinking through the congregation of God's people and he says, therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know is their knowledge in the most high? And what seeing the the wickedness, the wicked people prosper causes both worldly people who don't have and God's people who know him and are restricted because of sin. They look upon that and they say, why doesn't God do anything? Doesn't God know? Can't God, uh, you know, you're, sometimes you see wickedness and you say, here come the lightning bolts, you know. I want to stand back and watch God take care of business. And when we stand back and we wait and, and nothing happens, we wonder. Verse 12, uh, Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease they increase in riches. As he stood back and contemplated, he looked at the wicked lives of those who cared less about God. He didn't, didn't want him at all. He said their life is a life of ease. Their life is a life of ease. And, and riches just keep pouring onto them. I, I don't get it. In verse uh, 13, he turns to himself, but he says this, I'll, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He turns to what this view of them did in his heart. Um, I want to be theatrical, but picture my buddy Zach up here saying I've been thinking about some things I've been thinking about some things it sounds pretty great to be worldly I was thinking of doing some of these things that I saw in the Kardashians this week I realized that it's not worth it to keep your heart clean to seek after the Lord to brush away sin I, I've seen these things and I, I want to encourage you to do those as well uh, that's verse 15. He he knows uh, if he had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He's struggling with the crazy thoughts that are inside of him. The crazy wrong thoughts. And he knows they're wrong, but they look right. Um, and he's struggling. We move on uh, to see how he figured out that he was wrong, how he came to his senses. And that's in verse 16 and 17, how he figured it out. He says, but, but when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. As I look at that verse, I think about our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, Right? Uh, some things in life, we look at them, we stare at them, we, we mull them over, and we still can't get there, right? It causes us, the more we stare, the more we think, the more we philosophize in our hearts what must be true, it makes us agitated in our soul and tired of thinking. Uh, some of us get tired of thinking, Right? Uh, We don't get closer to the answer. We get farther away and more complicated as things go on. 
Verse 17 is the hinge that changes everything. It swings uh, this whole chapter. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. If you can picture the worship leader uh, mulling all these things over, walking on the dirt road, being uh, the place where he sleeps, mulling it over by himself and just frustrated, not sleeping. And he says, I can't figure it out. But then the worship leader goes into the place of worship. Worship is the answer for everybody. And when I say worship, I'm not just saying singing. I'm saying this pointing, directing our thoughts off of the things that we see and we can uh, observe and we can study to focusing on a God that knows everything, to attributing to Him what is true and good. He is the one. And so we see uh, the answer to how he figured it out was he went into the sanctuary of God and then he says, I, then I discerned their end. This weary task was answered by worship of a holy God. And by the way, it helps you think clearly. You know, I, I want to be honest with you. Uh, some of us confidently make decisions all the time. We make declarations of what things are going to be and what they're not going to be. And, uh, you know, confident, bold steps in our lives because we're good decision makers, we think. Most of us are not even close to in the right mind that we should make any big decisions. We're not. We're not in the right state. And this idea that says, well, this is what I think we should do. um, Be careful with that stuff, right? Have you prayed about it? Have you sought the mind of God? Have you sought His face to let Him be the one that you care about most? then you can make good decisions. But when you're just caring about what you think and what you see and what you want, I want to tell you, you're not in a good state of mind that you should make any decisions. The psalmist realized that uh, this weary picture for him was solved when he went into the house of the Lord, when he worshipped the holy God. He sees then the truth about the wicked, starting in verse 18. He says, truly, you you set them on slippery places. Uh, You make them fall to ruin. Uh, How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away uh, utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. You read those words and you realize that the wicked, they're on slippery places. It's only a a moment away from their demise. Uh, They're going to fall. And it's not just a fall like slippery, like falling on the ice, funny, everyone's laughing. It's a fall to ruin. And that they will be destroyed in a moment, in a time. It's this idea that in the midst of them doing their wickedness, laughing loud, enjoying life, enjoying their sin, at that moment, at God's timing, they will come to ruin. That's what happens. It is their end. And uh, God is never sleeping, but He pictures 
right now, this idea that, and it's this is what it seems like to us, that God didn't see, he was laying down, uh, it, it seems like uh, God wakes up in the midst of their sin, and then he goes, this isn't happening anymore, I'm done with this. That's what it seems like to us. This is uh, the truth about the wicked, which leads us to verse 21, the truth about me and you. If you're walking with God this morning, if you're seeking his face, if you're uh, seeking to push sin away and walk faithfully and joyfully in him, this is the truth about you. The, you may this morning, uh, you may this morning have been struggling with sin in your own life and wondering if it's worth it. You may be a, a peer of Brandon and Abby, and you you go, well, this doesn't seem right. I know a lot of other people whose bad things should come to their lives, but Brandon has been seeking the Lord. He's been seeking to serve Him, and Abby's seeking to be a faithful wife, and she loves kids, and uh, they love children. And why, why does this happen? You need to hear the truth. You need to hear the truth about the riches that you have in relationship with Jesus Christ. The resources that you have in the God who loves you so much. What is the truth? Verse 21. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. That was my heart. That, that's where I was. But in verse 23, nevertheless, nevertheless, even though I don't get it sometimes, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. What do we have? What is the truth about my relationship with God? I have the presence of God, the presence of God, that He's with me. He's with me. What else? Well, the hand of God. He's continually with me, but he's also holds me with his right hand. He, he holds me. He holds me. Um, we all know what it is to be children. Most, most children really don't like their parents. They're, they're pushing them away all the time. They're running away from them. They're going like this. And then when things start to happen, they get a little scared. They're looking for mama, Right? They're looking for dad and, and they're grabbing a leg or holding a hand and they're, they're finding great comfort in that. I want to tell you that's me and you. Children, prone to wander, prone to wander. In times like this, you're going, where's the hand? And he holds us. He cares for us. We have his presence. We have his hand. We have his counsel. We have his counsel. Uh, verse 24, you guide me with your counsel. I want to tell you I'm tired of wrong answers. Some of which I've gotten from you and you've gotten from me. Some of the collectively we voted in the wrong answers, right? 
we've decided, yeah, you agree with me and I'll agree with you and we'll have the wrong answer together, right? Counsel from God, the answers for life from Him. We struggle with this and this is part of the beauty that we get. The truth about me is this, that I receive from God His counsel, His saving counsel, His right counsel. His counsel that I desperately need. We have counsel uh, with God, but we also have home with God. It says, and afterward, you will receive me to glory. This this life doesn't end in some drop off into oblivion. It doesn't end in a grave. It doesn't end... With, why did I walk so long and and go so hard and and go through so many trials for this? But in the end, we are at home with God. And lastly, I just want to say this for, for this section. That we have nothing apart from God. We have nothing. We have nothing. He looked at all that other stuff that they had. And he said that was nothing apart from God. It's in the middle of verse uh, 25 there. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Verse 26. My favorite verse of the chapter. Could be yours too. There's plenty of room. Verse 26. My heart, my, my flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You hear that? You hear that? My flesh and my heart. Uh, by the way, he could have said it stronger. I realize this is inspired word of God. And this is what uh, your, your flesh and your heart will fail. Will fail. Uh, we're not going to give testimony here to our, our bodies failing us. Okay. Uh, we could. We could. Uh, We will run out. We will fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's enough for me. I love that word portion. He's what I need and what I have for this life. Conclusion. uh, This is the concluding conclusion. Okay, verse 27. He had the intro conclusion. This is the concluding conclusion. Okay. Uh, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish... You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. It's good to be near God. I made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. The wicked will perish. They will. It won't be a good end. It won't be a good end for those who are wicked. But for you and me, it's good for us to be near God. Uh, In the good times and in the trials, it's good for us. It's our spot. It's the thing that we're we're running to and running. The idea of saying, this is where I want to stay. It's good for me to be near God. And to make Him a refuge. We talked about that word last week. This place of hiding. This place of safety for us. And I think the response, really the theme of our words, the theme of what we should say, um, 
it shouldn't be an annoying thing, but people should talk about us and say, he's always talking about how good God's been to him, how strong God's been for him, how, how God's been enough for him. The theme of our words should be, it's good for us to be near God and that he's been a strength for us. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to teach us wonderful things in it in the days and weeks to come. Uh, God, direct us as a church that we would take great steps, um, not great steps that we would be great, but that we would uh, take steps of faith to walk with you during this time. God, we do uphold Brandon Abbey in these moments right now as they're thinking about leaving and uh, getting things together as they're concerned for their little one. God, we ask that you would bless them right now, uh, right now with your grace and your mercy, whatever they need. Uh, God, thank you for uh, being good to us and kind to us. It's good for us to be near you. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Encourage each other as you leave today. We'll see you next week. Actually, we'll see you tonight.